Could there be a good side to the coronavirus? By Apostle Jacqueline Fedor. The coronavirus may in an odd way have some good come from it, if it will help mankind to see how really frail this world is and fragile its people and systems. You will surely agree, almost overnight, everything has drastically changed. The facts are, the wisdom Eve chose for humanity has failed us in every aspect of life, leaving us perplexed, confused, baffled as to how to navigate in these dire times. How will we rebuild the economy, pick up where we left off in education, stop the division in government, bring peace and happiness back to society? The truth is, we can't. The greatest minds among the world's people have only the world's wisdom as their database, and it is faulty at best. It is very far from producing anything of perfection. Maybe as we lose hope in man's intellect, it will finally get through to the mind of man to seek answers from the one that created us. God says, Isaiah chapter 55 verse 8, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. So without seeking his advice, we made a mess. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 verse 19 tells us the truth concerning the great and powerful minds of the world. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He catches the wise in their own craftiness. Yet the majority of the world's people continue to clamor for even more of this knowledge. Let's take a look at where it actually originated from. Ezekiel chapter 28 verses 13 through 15 and verse 17. You were in Eden, the garden of God. The only ones recorded in Eden, the garden, were Adam, Eve, and Satan. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. Unlike God, who just was, is, and will always be, he is just a created being. You were the anointed cherub who covers. He was to protect mankind, not steal them from God. I established you. You were on the holy mountain of God. He was meant to guard and protect God's government also. You walked back and forth in the midst of fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. Pride entered. You corrupted your wisdom. This wisdom is what Eve chose, and this world evolved from. For the sake of your splendor, I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings, that they might gaze at you. So they would come to understand Satan's plan and how he possessed the king of Tyre as well as many others throughout the ages to fulfill his quest to become God to the earth. Genesis chapter 3 verses 4 through 6 The serpent in the garden therefore was Satan. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Who is the father of the lie? Satan. For God knows in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, 
knowing good and evil. The first lie, you will be like God. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit, of his mind, and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. They chose to feed on his tainted thinking. So this serpent was the devil, or Satan, a cherub, an angel of light. Revelation chapter 20 verse 2 reveals this. He laid hold of the dragon, that serpent of old, the one in the original garden, who is the devil and Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. Satan was also called the tree of good and evil as well. God many times refers to beings as trees, as we see in Isaiah chapter 61 verse 3, to console those who mourn in Zion, people, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise, the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Satan was the tree of good and evil. His twisted knowledge that he uses to shape our thinking to fit his plans is also the stimulus behind man's intellect and the wisdom this world is infrastructured by. So is there any real hope for what it has birthed? No. 1 John chapter 2, verse 17 tells us, And the world is passing away. God has declared it, so it will be. And the lust of it, everything carnal mankind loves in the world, will be gone. But he who does the will of God abides forever. The ones that do his will, love and keep God's laws, will live forever. In the wake of this virus, we can see how easily the scripture can come to pass. The world and its systems could very well pass away, and those that do his will live forever and be restored to their original perfection. I wonder, however, how many in the world actually do his will or keep his law? How many worry at all about how God feels about anything? For instance, much of the world's church takes scripture that is speaking of the law of Moses and its finality as an excuse to not be obedient to the new covenant law. But they are missing God's will and Hebrews chapter 10 verse 16, placing themselves right in the middle of Satan's body with the rest of the lawless. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 16, New Testament after Christ. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, the days of the Mosaic law given to help Adam, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. How sad they are not taught. How can man keep laws that they are unaware exist? To restore truth and restoration, God says these are my feasts. All generations are to attend. It is a law. Since the truth released through the Feast of God reveals God's plan of salvation and restoration, who in their right mind would want to miss a feast? Side note, did you ever wonder why God made his last feast, the Feast of Simchat Torah? Simchat Torah means rejoicing in the law. When most people think of law, they think control, a loss of freedom. No one rejoices in that. 
So there must be a different perspective for God to call his end and final feast Simchatorah. One thing to remember, both the Mosaic law and those God's people are to obey today were given to man by a loving God. Every law was centered around either our loving God or each other. Deuteronomy chapter 6 verse 5 A part of the law of Moses You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Mark chapter 12 verses 30 through 31 New Testament laws And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all of your strength. This is the first commandment, or law. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. The world is a long way from Simchat Torah today, we must admit. Yet scripture reveals we must experience the truth from all the feasts to fulfill God's plan of restoration. Unfortunately, lawlessness or ignoring the law is more the vogue or prevailing trend today. Wars, mass murders, marital problems, abuse of all kinds happens daily. Yet God says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And if you say you love him, but don't love each other, you are a liar. John chapter 14 verse 15 if you love me, keep my commandments. 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. Pretty plain. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? To love is a law, a command. The world is sadly failing. 1 John chapter 4, verse 21. And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must love his brother also. You know, when you think about it, every sin, everything wrong in the world today can be blamed on man not keeping the law. Adam and Eve were the first to disappoint God by breaking his commands to not touch or taste of the tree of good and evil. Then, knowing full well God created everything after its own kind, their descendants allowed themselves to be crossed with angels. They then purposely crossbred the different species among the rest of creation, altering everything at the prompting of Satan because he could legally claim them now as his. Acting as his puppets, they have changed everything from the original. See what a ripple effect lawlessness has? Unfortunately, everything altered has become inferior. There is nothing that has been changed from its original created state that is perfect. Everything decays, gets sick, or is simply subject to time and dies. All of this because Adam and Eve disobeyed God's law and chose Satan's thinking. How do we fix this mess? We don't. We can't. It is utterly impossible and despairingly hopeless, or would be if it wasn't for Jesus, the Lamb of God, and Father's plan for our restoration. Will God fix this world? No, it isn't His. As stated before, 
It is the product of the perverted mind of an angel carried out by a race of people with angel blood flowing through their veins. Not what God created. Again, not His. Matthew chapter 13 verses 47 through 49. What will happen to these altered ones? Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind, which, when it was full, they drew to shore, and they sat down and gathered the good into vessels, his children, but threw the bad away, the plight of the lawless. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come forth, separate the wicked from among the just. He will not repair it. He will instead destroy it and all that is a part of it. Over and over he has warned mankind to come out of the world, separate from its systems to the degree you can, get out of her churches, out of her society, and try not to be entangled in her financial systems. Don't touch. Don't taste of the world's feasts or Satan's knowledge. Get out. First John chapter 2, verse 15 said it this way, 2,000 years plus ago. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, all the fun things Satan has provided, the love of the Father is not in him. How many would be saddened, unhappy about things going down? Then face it, they are attached. Man needs to watch their hearts and minds as God watches them as much as he sees their actions. Romans chapter 12 verse 2 says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed into a new creature and mature to a new species by the renewing of your mind, feed it God's knowledge, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So if we renew our minds with God's knowledge, we will be able to walk in His will. That is, if we are jubileed through baptism and have partaken of Christ's blood covenant. Both of these actions must be executed according to God's instruction, not that of the world's churches. We need to take our first steps towards perfection and renewal by walking exactly as Scripture specifies. Much false doctrine has been spread, however, as scripture has been translated and taught through the world's knowledge and man's intellect. That is why sin is tolerated and even allowed in the church, because of the world's knowledge did not produce a true and intimate love for God, each other, nor did it encourage adherence to God's laws. God's will has been ignored, so many will find themselves a part of Antichrist, the body of Satan. As there are many members in the body of Christ, so there are many in the body of Satan. As Jesus operates through his people to carry out the will of the Father, so Satan operates through his in lawlessness. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9-12 through 12. The coming of the lawless one, the body of Satan called Antichrist, is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders. This is why the Jonah anointing is on God's ministers today, so change can come through the word, not signs and wonders. And with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, 
Why? Because they did not receive the love of the truth, that they might be saved, refused God's end-time knowledge. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion, because they turned their back on the word again, like the garden, that they should believe the lie, just like Adam and Eve, that they all may be condemned. Old King James says, damned, who did not believe the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. You see, there is a big difference between the lawless and those that are trying to change. Those trying their best to do better are just imperfect, and God says He will perfect them. The lawless are those that refuse to change. This lawlessness spawns a people that will be outside the gates of eternity when God dissolves this world and establishes His kingdom. These are rebels that love the world and walk in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, pride of life, like their God. They are blinded by the carnal desires the enemy entices or tempts them with. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 warns, Whose minds the God of this age, Satan, has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Don't want the word exposing their sin. Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 through 21, is a spiritual mirror that reveals the carnal, fleshly nature of the lawless. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, God has warned and warned that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So can this world or its people be fixed? No way. Revelation chapter 11 verse 18 explains further. The nations were angry. They won't repent or even see their sins. Self-centered, they do not consider God's will at all. And your wrath has come. He will not tolerate all this forever. And the time of the dead, that they should be judged, those not alive through Christ, and that you should reward your servants, the prophets and the saints, and those who fear your name, small and great, and should destroy those who destroy the earth, the rebellious, the lawless, through man's intellect, are ruining the planet. It is strange how people blame God for the evil that happens to them in this world and are angry at God for where they fail, or the enemy attacked, or the world systems have let them down. Amazingly, even though mankind turned their back on Him in the garden and continue to today, out of love for His creation, He has tried throughout the ages to show them a better way to give them better lives. But would they listen? No, and still don't. They liked the world's ways. They have chosen its knowledge, as already discussed, which has over the years become the world's educational system. They love the ways of Babylon, the world's church, with her secret societies and all the mystery religions over truth, 
that shapes God's glorious and triumphant church. Revelation chapter 17 verses 5 and 6 shows us the old queen, and on her forehead a name was written, Mystery, Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, and of the abominations of the earth, all the world's many religions. I saw the woman, the bride of Satan, drunk with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I marveled with great amazement, beautiful on the outside, ugly on the inside. Will God restore her? Here is what has already happened. Revelation chapter 18 verses 1 through 3. After these things, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was illuminated with his glory, in time knowledge restored to those that seek it. And he cried mightily with a loud voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen. There is nothing holy about the world's churches and religious society any longer, and has become a dwelling place of demons a prison for every foul spirit, and a cage for every unclean and hated bird. Every kind of sexual sin, money schemes, false doctrine that backs loyalty to the world's systems. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. The kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. Church and government hold hands. And the merchants of the earth have become rich. Books, literature of all kinds, clothing, statues, on and on, through the abundance of her luxury. Is God going to revive this? If he did, he would transgress his own laws. Her religions will therefore fall along with her banking system and governments. God's law says, Owe no man anything but love, yet most are in debt up to their ears. The world teaches we must be politically minded, yet God always chose his priests to guide his people, dedicated, sanctified men and women of God that his spirit guided. Samuel, for instance, was the last of God's chosen priests because the people wanted a king like the nations. 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 5-7 through seven, And said to him, Look, you are old. And your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people and all that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them. Unfortunately, mankind has shunned God's help profaned his name, blamed him for Satan's actions, and replaced him with mere men. Proverbs chapter 29 verse 2 tells us the sad truth of their folly. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when a wicked man rules, the people groan. So we can see the world's governments are not of God either. Thankfully, God will never allow this old world or its people to continue forever. If you think about it, it would be horrible to let society today become immortal. So maybe we can make valuable use of the time we are isolated, quarantined, because of the virus, to contemplate these things. 
Maybe use this situation to enter into God's rest and take a look at God's plan for all creation's restoration. It's been hidden there all along, waiting in hope man would seek answers from Him as they see how the world and its God have so badly failed. Isaiah chapter 66 verse 22 gives us a glimpse of God's plan. For as the new heavens, one without rebellious angels, and the new earth, which I will make, shall remain before me, be eternal, says the Lord, so shall your descendants and your name remain. So who are the offspring that will endure the wrath of God in the end, and what is their name? Galatians chapter 3 verses 27 and verse 29 explains, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ, and if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. That's who they are. Matthew chapter 22, verse 32. I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. God is not the God of the dead, but of the living, the reborn ones. Genesis chapter 35, verse 10. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob, means worm. Your name shall not be called Jacob any more, but Israel means powerful, prevailing prince, soldier of God, one that rules with the Almighty, shall be your name. So he called his name Israel. So those born again through Jesus are Abraham's seed. They are children of the promise, heirs of the kingdom of God through Christ's bloodlines to Isaac and named and chosen as Israel through Jacob because Jesus was of the tribe of Judah, a son of Jacob. Therefore, Israel is their name also. All this is the fulfillment of Malachi, chapter 4, verse 6. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. We must see and understand these things for restoration. John Chapter 15, verse 5, gives the children of God a very, very important law for them to adhere to and believe to be successful. This is a law we must always remember. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Remember, we cannot do anything apart from God that is lasting. The world, on the other hand, encourages us to do things our way, be self-made, believe in yourself, anything to inspire self-worth. Adam and Eve bought the lie, tried to be superior, and became a cursed race instead, part man and part angel. Will this kind be made eternal? Would these be ones God would want to give his kingdom to and build a new earth? No. But, thankfully, he had a wonderful plan to let mankind start over, make different choices. Revelation chapter 19 verses 12 through 16 shows us the one all of God's wonderful plans are hinged on. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, our sacrificial lamb, and his name is called the Word of God. 
Through him is salvation, restoration, and eternal life. Eve turned her back on him. And the armies in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. We know this is Jesus. Romans chapter 6 verse 4 gives us individual instruction on how to receive what he offers. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death, died to the Adamic race, that just as Christ was raised from the dead, resurrected, by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We resurrect new creatures. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23 Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, unlike being born through Adam who dies, the new creatures cannot be destroyed, but incorruptible through the word of God, which lives and abides, or lives, forever. The word of God, Jesus, will feed man on truth that will mature the new creature from a worm, Jacob, to Israel, like a spiritual butterfly. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 4 shows us the promises of God are sure and what we can expect as new creatures, as new Israel to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that does not fade away, can't be destroyed, reserved in heaven for you. It's kept for us personally. Our inheritance is promised to us at rebirth and given to us at maturity when this world is removed. He will protect his family, his heirs. Hebrews chapter 12 verses 26 and 27 shows us why this inheritance is so important. Whose voice then shook the earth at Mount Sinai, but now he is promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Those in the world better pay attention. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made by man that the things which cannot be shaken, what God has created and watches over, may remain forever. Just as the works of man were destroyed by the flood of Noah's day, so they will at some point be destroyed again today, maybe through this virus, maybe not. Only the Father knows. All things accomplished by self, however, will be completely eradicated and put to an end one day. Only the works manifested from within God's rest, according to His will and plan, will be left standing. All of mankind's works have already been crafted perfectly by God and await our entry. We simply enter His rest, find our place in God's plan, and bring these predestined works to fruition. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 10 For he who has entered His rest has himself also ceased from his works, our personal career desires, as God did from his. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 9 through 10, 
shows us the real works, those of God that we do from within his rest today, were actually done before creation was completed. That which has been, God's works, is what will be. That which is done is what will be done by us. And there is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it may be said, See, this is new? No. It has already been in ancient times before us. There is no need to worry if we can perform the works to please God either. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 17 God will be faithful to prepare us to do the works He has purposed for us. That the man of God may be complete, he will have experienced all the feasts, been fed God's end-time knowledge, to be prepared for the kingdom, thoroughly equipped for every good work, because he created our works for us today, thousands of years ago. In God's rest are beautiful tomorrows and a perfect life designed for his children, with no sickness, pain, sorrow, or death. Nothing of this world will fit in there, though, as they are not a part of God's original plan. So as he begins to shake things, change things, only his works will stand and the worlds will crumble. We can't fix it, and he won't. It is destined to fail, as he has already created its failure. There is no stopping it. So in closing, now we can understand When God gave the command, Come out of the world and be no part of it, He meant it. Those that walk in His will and obey His law are those that experience the final feast, Simchat Torah, and will be found praising God and rejoicing in the law at the end. Romans chapter 8 verses 19 through 21 tells us all of creation is waiting for this to take place. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. We just revealed them. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, and hope that man would see the futility of trying to rebuild the world and desire instead his kingdom. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. This all takes place as the world crumbles and the kingdom of God takes its rightful place on earth. If because of the virus we have had time to read and contemplate these things and maybe make some changes, then the coronavirus may indeed be a very bad thing God has turned around for good. Here is our hope. Luke chapter 12, verse 32. Do not fear, little flock, new species, small in comparison to those of the world, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom.